The First Amendment, Amendment 1, to the United States Constitution prevents the government from making laws which regulate an establishment of religion, or that would prohibit the free exercise of religion, or abridge the freedom of speech, the freedom of the press, the freedom of assembly, or the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. It was adopted on December 15, 1791, as one of the Ten Amendments that constitute the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights was proposed to assuage anti-federalist opposition to constitutional ratification. Initially, the First Amendment applied only to laws enacted by the Congress, and many of its provisions were interpreted more narrowly than they are today. Beginning with Gitlow v. New York, 1925, the Supreme Court applied the First Amendment to states, a process known as incorporation, through the Due Process Clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. In Everson v. Board of Education, 1947, the court drew on Thomas Jefferson's correspondence to call for a wall of separation between church and state, though the precise boundary of this separation remains in dispute. Speech rights were expanded significantly in a series of 20th and 21st century court decisions which protected various forms of political speech, anonymous speech, campaign finance, pornography, and school speech. These rulings also defined a series of exceptions to First Amendment protections. The Supreme Court overturned English common law precedent to increase the burden of proof for defamation and libel suits, most notably in New York Times Company v. Sullivan, 1964. Commercial speech, however, is less protected by the First Amendment than political speech, and is therefore subject to greater regulation. The Free Press Clause protects publication of information and opinions, and applies to a wide variety of media. In Near v. Minnesota, 1931, and New York Times v. United States, 1971, the Supreme Court ruled that the First Amendment protected against prior restraint, pre-publication censorship, in almost all cases. The Petition Clause protects the right to petition all branches and agencies of government for action. In addition to the right of assembly guaranteed by this clause, the Court has also ruled that the amendment implicitly protects freedom of association. Although the First Amendment applies only to state actors, there is a common misconception that it prohibits anyone from limiting free speech, including private, non-governmental entities. Moreover, the Supreme Court has determined that protection of speech is not absolute. Text. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Background. The right to petition for redress of grievances was a principle included in the 1215 Magna Carta, as well as the 1689 English Bill of Rights. In 1776, the second year of the American Revolutionary War, the Virginia Colonial Legislature passed a Declaration of Rights that included the sentence the freedom of the press is one of the greatest bulwarks of liberty, and can never be restrained but by despotic governments. Eight of the other twelve states made similar pledges. However, these declarations were generally considered mere admonitions to state legislatures, rather than enforceable provisions. After several years of comparatively weak government under the Articles of Confederation, a constitutional convention in Philadelphia proposed a new constitution on September 17, 1787, featuring among other changes a stronger chief executive. George Mason, a constitutional convention delegate and the drafter of Virginia's Declaration of Rights, proposed that the Constitution include a Bill of Rights listing and guaranteeing civil liberties. Other delegates, including future Bill of Rights drafter James Madison, disagreed, arguing that existing state guarantees of civil liberties were sufficient and any attempt to enumerate individual rights risked the implication that other, unnamed rights were unprotected. After a brief debate, Mason's proposal was defeated by a unanimous vote of the state delegations. For the Constitution to be ratified, 
However, nine of the 13 states were required to approve it in state conventions. Opposition to ratification, anti-federalism, was partly based on the Constitution's lack of adequate guarantees for civil liberties. Supporters of the Constitution in states where popular sentiment was against ratification, including Virginia, Massachusetts, and New York, successfully proposed that their state conventions both ratify the Constitution and call for the addition of a Bill of Rights. The U.S. Constitution was eventually ratified by all 13 states. In the first United States Congress, following the state legislature's request, James Madison proposed 20 constitutional amendments, and his proposed draft of the First Amendment read as follows. The civil rights of none shall be abridged on account of religious belief or worship, nor shall any national religion be established, nor shall the full and equal rights of conscience be in any manner, or on any pretext, infringed. The people shall not be deprived or abridged of their right to speak, to write, or to publish their sentiments, and the freedom of the press, as one of the great bulwarks of liberty, shall be inviolable. The people shall not be restrained from peaceably assembling and consulting for their common good, nor from applying to the legislature by petitions, or remonstrances, for redress of their grievances. This language was greatly condensed by Congress, and passed the House and Senate with almost no recorded debate, complicating future discussion of the amendment's intent. Congress approved and submitted to the states for their ratification 12 Articles of Amendment on September 25, 1789. The revised text of the third article became the First Amendment, because the last 10 articles of the submitted 12 articles were ratified by the requisite number of states on December 15, 1791, and are now known collectively as the Bill of Rights. Freedom of Religion Religious liberty, also known as freedom of religion, is the right of all persons to believe, speak, and act, individually and in community with others, in private and in public, in accord with their understanding of ultimate truth. The acknowledgement of religious freedom as the first right protected in the Bill of Rights points toward the American founders' understanding of the importance of religion to human, social, and political flourishing. Freedom of religion is protected by the First Amendment through its Establishment Clause and Free Exercise Clause, which together form the Religious Liberty Clauses of the First Amendment. The first clause prohibits any governmental establishment of religion and the second prohibits any governmental interference with the free exercise thereof. These clauses of the First Amendment encompass the two big arenas of religion in constitutional law. Establishment cases deal with the Constitution's ban on Congress endorsing, promoting or becoming too involved with religion. Free exercise cases deal with Americans' rights to practice their faith. Both clauses sometimes compete with each other. The Supreme Court in McCreary County v. American Civil Liberties Union, 2005, clarified this by the following example, when the government spends money on the clergy, then it looks like establishing religion, but if the government cannot pay for military chaplains, then many soldiers and sailors would be kept from the opportunity to exercise their chosen religions. In his dissenting opinion in McGowan v. Maryland, 1961, Justice William O. Douglas illustrated the broad protections offered by the First Amendment's religious liberty clauses. The First Amendment commands government to have no interest in theology or ritual. It admonishes government to be interested in allowing religious freedom to flourish, whether the result is to produce Catholics, Jews, or Protestants, or to turn the people toward the path of Buddha, or to end in a predominantly Muslim nation, or to produce in the long run atheists or agnostics. On matters of this kind, government must be neutral. This freedom plainly includes freedom from religion, with the right to believe, speak, write, publish and advocate anti-religious programs. Board of Education v. Barnett, Supra, 319 U. S. 641. Certainly the Free Exercise Clause does not require that everyone embrace the theology of some church or of some faith, or observe the religious practices of any majority or minority sect.
The First Amendment, by its establishment clause, prevents, of course, the selection by government of an official church. Yet the ban plainly extends farther than that. We said in Everson v. Board of Education, that it would be an establishment of a religion if the government financed one church or several churches. For what better way to establish an institution than to find the fund that will support it? The Establishment Clause protects citizens also against any law which selects any religious custom, practice, or ritual, puts the force of government behind it, and fines, imprisons, or otherwise penalizes a person for not observing it. The government plainly could not join forces with one religious group and decree a universal and symbolic circumcision. Nor could it require all children to be baptized or give tax exemptions only to those whose children were baptized. Those who would renegotiate the boundaries between church and state must therefore answer a difficult question, why would we trade a system that has served us so well for one that has served others so poorly? Justice Sandra Day O'Connor in her concurring opinion in McCreary County v. American Civil Liberties Union, 2005. The history of the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause and the Supreme Court's own constitutional jurisprudence with respect to these clauses was explained in the 1985 case Wallace v. Jaffrey. The Supreme Court noted at the outset that the power of Congress and the states to restrain the individual freedoms protected by the First Amendment is limited to the same extent by said amendment. The First Amendment was adopted to curtail the power of Congress to interfere with the individual's freedom to believe, to worship, and to express himself in accordance with the dictates of his own conscience. The Due Process Clause of the Fourteenth Amendment imposes on the states the same limitations the First Amendment had always imposed on the Congress. This elementary proposition of law was confirmed and endorsed time and time again in cases like Cantwell v. Connecticut, 1940, and Woolley v. Maynard, 1977. The central liberty that unifies the various clauses in the First Amendment is the individual's freedom of conscience. Just as the right to speak and the right to refrain from speaking are complementary components of a broader concept of individual freedom of mind, so also the individual's freedom to choose his own creed is the counterpart of his right to refrain from accepting the creed established by the majority. At one time, it was thought that this right merely proscribed the preference of one Christian sect over another, but would not require equal respect for the conscience of the infidel, the atheist, or the adherent of a non-Christian faith such as Islam or Judaism. But when the underlying principle has been examined in the crucible of litigation, the court has unambiguously concluded that the individual freedom of conscience protected by the First Amendment embraces the right to select any religious faith or none at all. This conclusion derives support not only from the interest in respecting the individual's freedom of conscience, but also from the conviction that religious beliefs worthy of respect are the product of free and voluntary choice by the faithful, and from recognition of the fact that the political interest in forestalling intolerance extends beyond intolerance among Christian sects, or even intolerance among religions, to encompass intolerance of the disbeliever and the uncertain. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.